God who always causes us to triumph in his name. Thanks be to God who always causes us to win. Yeah. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in his name. Thanks be to God.
this morning to True Vine Worship Center. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. We're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, God is good, right? He's good all the time. Woke up this morning, and the first thing that I heard is the King of Glory. And I thought, whoo, yes, the King of Glory is here. So I want to read this psalm to you. It's Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Anybody want to say amen right there? Amen. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Thank you, Jesus. Who is this king of glory? The The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle is he. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty, the king of glory. Let's usher him in this morning with a praise that will just rock this place. Come on, let's worship the Lord. The king of glory is amongst us.
think of that song, I think of like whenever you're at a waterfall, you know, and it looks like the water just stops. But if you continue on, you'll see that it just continues to cascade. And I just feel like God's presence and his love, if we just position ourselves underneath that, if we keep on that path, and, and see that there really is no end to his love. It doesn't stop right there where it looks like that river ends. It doesn't stop right there because if we continue on, we'll see that it just continues to cascade and cascade. And if you position yourself under that, that is that overflow. And it just keeps going and going. And there is literally no end to that. Just worship with us today. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Come down, Spirit, when you make my heart pound when you feel the room you're here and i know you are moving i'm here and i know you will feel me yeah. come and fill us again as the spirit was moving over the Oh 
in this place. Lift up a heart. They can't get rid of it, but he can. But I want to tell you, thanks for all, all the prayers and stuff. I, I'm just, I'm real weak right now. I ain't got no strength. Y'all, y'all pray I get my strength and stuff back. But the doctor, doctor has really done, done good.
you that much and he does it again and again and again and again he gives his love and he pours it out when we don't feel his love when we feel like we're in a dark place or when we feel like we're in a place of of sickness or where we need where we need healing and where we need holing and we say God where are you but his love is there again and again and again He's just pouring it out. He sees the creation in you. He sees that perfect, that perfect creation that he made, and that is all he sees when he sees you. And so he can't help but just lavish an overwhelming unfathomable love on you because he just sees his perfect, amazing, beautiful creation.
Come on, let's bless Jesus in this place this morning. You can do better than that. I know I've heard you do better. I'm going to step down here and praise him with you. Thank you, Jesus. You're the one that's worthy. Come on, lift up your voices and lift up a high praise to the king this morning. You're worthy of all power and glory and honor and might. Lord Jesus, we lift your name in this place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place to do the things that you can do. We invite the atmosphere of heaven to overwhelm us right now. We invite Kairos to overwhelm Kronos in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for seeping into every single crevice of our lives with your spirit and filling it with glory. Thank you, Father, for doing the things that only you can do. Thank you that you heal cancer and thank you that you heal uh, broken bones and thank you that you heal broken families and thank you that you mend up the brokenhearted and bind up the brokenhearted and thank you that you can take those that have uh, mental issues and you can with one breath of your nostrils, Lord, yes, Lord Jesus, you can make it new again. I thank you that you didn't come to make all new things, but you said I am the one that makes all things new and that gives me hope. Amen. Amen. Who loves Jesus in, the most, uh, in this place the most? I'm going to try it this way. God is good. And all the time. That's two weeks in a row, Cam. You believe it? Let's try it again. God is good. And all the time. Be seated. You can be seated. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come to this place. We don't have to come here to be in your presence, but we assemble ourselves together. We gather here for purpose and on purpose so that we can lift your name, so that we can hear from the word that you have to give us, so we can receive collectively from the anointing and from your spirit, and so that we can pour the oil that we brought in this place upon your head and anoint the king. Now, Father, as we transition into a time of giving, I know that what we give is not a debt that we owe, but it's a seed that we sow, and we all have learned that good seed sown into good soil brings forth good fruit. And I bless everyone in this place and pray and, and declare a bountiful, abundant blessing upon everyone. And everybody said, 
Amen. Come on up to the front and place your tithing offering there in the basket. If you want to give online, you can go to tvwc.churchcenter.com slash giving, or you can go to truevinestateswithout.org and give there. We certainly appreciate uh, your giving. Uh, it helps us to do what we do. And what we do is, uh, we believe, is to empower, uh, edify the saints, building up the body, and causing there to be a shift in the culture. Amen. Now, by show of hands, how many people knew and know for a fact that God moved for you this week? I just want to see your hands. You don't necessarily have to tell unless you feel it burning. In you. That was a lot. I want you to do it again. Hold your hand up so everybody else can look around and see that God is absolutely moving. He's absolutely doing the things that only God can do. So, amen. Amen. In the, in the face of what seems like an onslaught, this week I spent several days in the hospital. Uh, Miss Judy Gustin fell off her porch chasing her dog, lost, some, lost three teeth and bruised herself up and bruised her face. And Mark Campbell's daughter was taken to the hospital and uh, we played a soccer tournament this weekend, my little team and my, my mother-in-law's husband, Ted, uh, leaving the parking lot, had a stroke and was rushed over to Iredale. And yet, I still say this, that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Uh, because God is the one that has the last word. He had the first word, and believe me, He gets the last word. And He is faithful to finish the work that He has started. If He started it, you can mark it down. He will complete it. If He said it, He will bring it to pass. It doesn't matter what anything else says. It doesn't matter what winds may be contrary. If God says it, you can guarantee and write it down, this is going to come to pass. And here's what He said. He, I declare healing, and I declare health. Jesus paid for that, and so I'm declaring it on for Miss Judy. I know you're watching at home, Miss Judy, right now. We just send the anointing to your house in the name of Jesus for a speedy and a quick recovery. Father, I thank you for your mark, Lord, and for Rachel right now. We just declare healing and health, mental clarity. Uh, Father, for, uh, for Ted over in the hospital right now, in the name of Jesus, let there be full recovery in the name of Jesus and give my mother-in-law peace. Amen. 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 Well, Children's Church and Nursery, you can go on back to the back. If you are visitors, we have children's church for kindergarten through fifth grade, back through that door, nursery, babies, all the way through pre-K, is that right? Through that door. And youth group, middle school youth group, you guys get a surprise today. You have, uh, you have youth right today, right after church, so you guys have a nice special surprise, so be sure you stay here for that. I think that's until, was it 3 o'clock? Jason will have to miss today because we've got a soccer party. We had our soccer tournament this weekend. In fact, I was up this morning at 4 o'clock because I had to be at the field at 7.15 and coach, and I ran right over here into my sweatpants and changed in there, and we rehearsed, and now here we are. Real fun. It's just the life, of, the life we chose, I think, or did it choose us. The thing that I feel like I do the best if I do anything well is, besides I believe a good parent, a good husband is, is I, I like to coach. And really all that, all that coaching really is besides the X and the X's and O's and rules part is just getting someone to believe in themselves. Really all it is. If you can get someone to believe in themselves and believe in their ability, they can do anything, accomplish anything. And so we accomplished it this morning, didn't we, big buddy? Huh? I mean, like it was pretty bad, wasn't it? Destroyed that team. So last week we talked about the mind of Christ. How many people were here last week? mind of Christ. And it was, um, in some ways, I know challenging, and it should be, church services should be, um, 
and I thought that it would be a good time to go ahead and delve even further. Essentially, what we talked about last week was what is missing, and and not just in my opinion, but I believe as I take, um, as I look across uh, the body of Christ at large, at least the body of Christ that I'm exposed to, and it is a large area that the Lord has given me some influence in, is it seems like, and especially in our churches like this, we have such, and I just want to recap a hair and then we'll move on in. Uh, because look, we're, I'm getting started at 11.25. My God, won't he do it, church? <laughs> right, Tammy? Take it off and throw it. Um, my watch, she always reminds me. Um, but we have these unbelievable moves of the Spirit, and they are good, and it is absolutely God, and it is absolutely necessary. But we have majored so much on the collective anointing and, and the corporate anointing, as some call it, and the move of God in, in spaces like this, that once we leave, we almost feel powerless until we're back in the collective to do anything. And what that comes from is, is a mistaken identity. It's from taking the mind, the mind of Adam. I said last week we have the heart of Christ but the mind of Adam. And so many times we hurt people with our mind and then we ask for forgiveness with our heart and apologize. Let me remember some of the things that I was talking about. And, but the Bible says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And, I, and we can go on into that, but again and again. Um, be ye not conformed unto this world, but yet rather be transformed. What was the word transformed? Metamorphosis. Be transformed by the renewing, the newing again. Not just the newing, but the renewing, which means to take it back. Did you know the word repent? Think about the word pent as in penthouse, the top, the highest place. To repent is to go back to the top, back where you started. And so uh, repent is not about saying, oh God, I'm sorry I messed up. No, it's saying I repent, I turn from what I know is less than my full potential. I turn back to what God has called me to be as a son and daughter of God. That's what repentance is. And repentance is the very first part of, 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 of obtaining, of, obtaining means not the right word, but of renewing your mind. Thank you, Barbie. If you're with me. So today what I want to talk about even further, as I said, last week it's, it's, the, it's the necessity to have the mind of Christ. To have the mind of Christ. To have the mind of Christ on Sunday morning at 10.30 or 11.30 or 12.30. And also to have the mind of Christ Thursday evening at 11.47. Because it's easy to believe God for things in here. Sometimes it's very, very difficult when we're out there in what they call the real world. Um, to and, and don't get mad at me for using these words, but these are kingdom words that have been hijacked by the New Age movement. And what really has happened is they've seen some truth, don't know what the source is, and so they say things that are absolutely true outside of the context of the kingdom, and so it perverts. But the reality is you do invite things into your life, and you do attract things in your life by what you say, because listen to me, your mind is the garden. Your Say it with me. Your mind is the garden. Did you know that every action, every action, good, bad, or ugly, every single action will find its origin as the seed which is a thought? Every action you have ever taken in your life finds in its origin the seed which was a thought. It's true. I don't want to preach that yet. I want to talk to you about because what I'm going to, my subtitle is the garden of your mind. Garden of your mind. It's a little more teachy, I know. It's not so fun and jumping around and screaming and yelling. But we, we're going to have to grow up. We have to mature. If we're going to do the work of the kingdom, if Statesville is going to become synonymous with the glory, it cannot just happen with charismatic, spirit-filled services. It's got to be that mixed with or in association with us taking on the mind of Christ and growing up into Him in all things. That's what Paul said. 
It's not, it's not enough. It's not enough to carry his last name and stay a bratty little kid and be 33. It, it's, it's one thing for a two-year-old to be in diapers. It's disgusting for a 22-year-old to be in diapers. That doesn't have a physical issue, obviously, I mean. And that happens so much in the church is, well, we're Christians, we're Christians, yes, but we're completely and utterly powerless because no one has ever challenged us and encouraged us to grow up. And part of the growing up, there's a scripture that's very clear. It says, even though you might be the heir of all things, you are no different than a slave until you mature. You can carry the last name of Christ. You can carry the, the, the title, and I almost hate it these days because everything can be Christian. I mean, you can believe in a bunch of nonsense and call yourself Christian and be nothing like Christ whatsoever. But, but to be a, a true son of God, a true daughter of God, a true image bearer, it doesn't matter how much you're his image bearer and how much you carry his name. If you're going to remain immature and be offended by every little thing and every little one, you will completely remain powerless and helpless and hopeless. You will come in here and feel a goose pimple. You will see and experience miracles. But by and large, you will not live in kingdom come. As he said, amen or owe me. So I'm going to read through some of the things that I wrote down. We're going to get to the scripture because I believe that what we're talking about today is going to be impactful. I, if I didn't think it was going to be, I don't, I don't waste my time. I'm not here to perform. I know how to do that. I've done that well. I've done that over the years. I'm not here to perform. I really am truly here to try to help you. So I hope that you will engage. Don't turn me off. Just because it's not loud and I don't have the shatai on my voice doesn't mean that it's not powerful. It's imperative for us to put on the mind of Christ if we are going to experience what he promised, which is life and life more abundantly. Jesus said this, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I am come. Not I will come, not I have come, I am come. It is the ever-present now, which means when you get there, he's there. <laughs> I am come that you might. That means there's a qualification to it. That you might, not that you will that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. And what is the qualification? Maturity. Most of what I have seen in my experience traveling the earth is that most people love God and they believe in God, but they do not live with a renewed mind. And I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just, just if this doesn't fit you, you know, if, if the shoe doesn't fit, try the other foot. So they will go to heaven, and they love God and love people, but they will never be transformative or transformational to their communities or their cultures. I sincerely believe the thing that we are missing the most as believers is this. Although we have our souls regenerated, and you are going to heaven, no problem. We do not have our minds renewed, and until we renew our minds, we will remain hopeful but powerless, believing yet at the same time doubting. If we are to live in the fullness of our inheritance in this realm, in this life, in this earth, and that's the problem. I'm going to stop there for a minute. If we're going to live in, in, in what we're called to live in this earth, and what we've done is we've believed uh, a superficial, um, rel relatively new version of Christianity that says, man, get me out of here as soon as possible. Jesus, suck us out so we don't have to deal with the nonsense. If I were Jesus, I would scratch my hand and say, wait a minute, I put you there to have dominion. Do you not remember in the garden when I said, have dominion over the earth? And so what we've done is we've, we, we, we have this escapist mentality that we can't wait to get out of here. And what that does is it robs us of our identity as those that are to redeem back to him what he paid for. That was the slogan of the Moravians. You know the Moravians. They said, to win for the lamb the reward of his suffering. 
You're not, you don't care about winning for the Lamb the reward of His suffering if you can't wait just to get sucked out of here any second. Now, don't get mad at me. Um, this is not an eschatological message. That's not what I'm talking about today. You want to sit down and talk with me about that? I'll help you. We do need a reformed eschatology. I can promise you that. Because everything that we believe in the, in this, in this, uh, in the Western church is, man, I can't wait to get the heck out of here. And, and, you know, God bless the ones that have to stay, but I'm going to be out of here, so I'm all good. That doesn't sound anything like Jesus. What if you were here to redeem culture and to bring kingdom come? Jesus didn't say, thy kingdom, thy kingdom go. He said, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That mandate was never been lifted. It's never been rescinded. Man, I hope you still love me. God, man. So if we're going to live to the fullness of our inheritance, we must renew our mind. It's imperative that we put on the mind of Christ. And the best way that I think we can understand what the mind is and understand the power of the mind, we must look at the garden because the garden of your life is your mind. Period. In fact, it would not be untrue to state that our mind is our garden, and maybe we can compare it to the Genesis story of the Garden of Eden. So let's read from Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, you know it, God created the heavens and the earth. I'll stop there and say the very first picture that we see of God in all of his scripture is that he's a creator. You're going to find out in this very same book that we are made in his likeness and after his image. Remember, let us make man, and we're going to read it in a minute. Which means if his likeness is that of a creator, you have within you the ability and the response ability to create. And whether you know it or not, every time that you speak a word or have a thought, you are creating. There's a scripture that says, with his word, the worlds were framed. And whether you like it or not, with your words, your world is framed. You're more powerful than you think you are. And you always have been. And the earth was formless and desolate emptiness. And darkness, this is the New American Standard. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. This is the King James. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord God moved upon the face of the waters. Listen to this. This is a pattern. Can, we, can I give you something free, free here real quick? Here's a pattern of creation. There's formless, void, darkness, which means there's no revelation, means there's no light, which means there's confusion, which the Bible says, if you read, if you read down in the actual Hebrew, it's a chaos. That's really what we're looking at. We're looking at a picture of chaos. And in the midst of chaos, the Spirit of the Lord God began to move, and then God said... And then God said, which is to say this, in our collective services, when we see the anointing of God and we feel his spirit hovering, that is the time to open your mouth and say something. Yeah. Yeah. Here's that noise again. When his spirit is moving and you open your mouth and speak, you are releasing into your reality a creative word in the same way that your heavenly father released light from himself. God, don't miss this, God did not take some abstract matter and create light. When he said, let there be light, there was light inside of his womb. And when he spoke it, it came up and out of his mouth into creation. He is the light. Jesus is the light of the world, and now you're the light of the world. So when you open your mouth and speak with his spirit is hovering, you are literally creating. And that's why I say, begin to declare something. It's not because it makes me feel good to hear you say something. It's because it doesn't matter how many times I hebe-bashebe or shook a Mashiach or she rode a Honda or whatever. 
E-D-D-I-E, which spells Eddie. It doesn't matter how many times I do that. If you are not willing to stand up, take your responsibility as a son or a daughter of God that is made in his image, which means you're a creator, and declare what you want in your life, then you can get all the oil dabbed on your head and you will experience momentary uh, 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 influence and, 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 and an overwhelming sense of his presence. But once you leave that place, it, sometimes it lifts and goes from you. I've watched people healed in the service on Sunday messed up knee, messed up ankle, whatever, run across the building, genuinely healed, and within 20 minutes of leaving the service, it's gone. Because the corporate anointing is not there anymore. They've left the place, and they're not mature enough to realize, look, it's, it's my job to declare, I am the healed of the Lord. I am above and not beneath. I am the head. I am not the tail. I am his child. And so, here's what's happened. I, I, I don't want to preach it yet. I, I really just want to really talk to you for a minute. Help me. You got to help me. Verse 3, then God said, let there be light. Actually, what he said was, light be. That's what he said. And there was light. There was the thing that God declared when he opened his mouth when his spirit was moving. And God, this is pattern. This is called the law of first mention. Say it back to me. When you read scripture, if you do any type of study of scripture, you learn there's some, such a thing as the law of first mention. The first time something is mentioned in the scripture, it sets a pattern throughout the rest of scripture. And it is, it is a truth that carries throughout the, the entirety of Scripture. So the law of first mention here is the Spirit of the Lord God moved over chaos, and when His Spirit was moving, His mouth was open, and what He said came into being because, because His words were in congruence with the moving of His Spirit. He made a declaration. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. Verse 26, and then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. Man, that's beautiful. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Listen, behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed, plant-yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth. Remember, we're talking about the mind and we're comparing the mind to a garden. Remember? And every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be for food for you and to every animal of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth, which has life. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. Now, I had to read that about four or five times to believe the green stuff came from God, and that's what he wants us to eat. Because what I like is gospel bird. Gospel bird in the south is fried chicken. If you make a good, mean fried chicken, invite me over sometime. If you don't want to invite me over, pack it up. But pack it up hot, and I'll come pick it up. I like gospel bird. But God says something about eating green stuff. Maybe we should have used that with the kids growing up. I, I'll give you, this is a little funny story that will just make you like me, maybe laugh a little bit if you don't like everything else I've said. So when we sit at our table... Elizabeth always, we've always tried our best to have at least one meal together as a family. Now, as they get older, it gets a little more difficult with work schedules and soccer and sports and all the stuff. You know how it works. But growing up especially, and I, I noticed a pattern after several months that every time we sat down, where's Isaac? Is Isaac here? Where's Isaac? If he left, oh, he's in trouble. 
Isaac, come here. Oh, he is in for it. He might be helping nursery. So Isaac would have to use the bathroom every single time, 10 minutes after we sat down to eat. So what Elizabeth would do is she'd prepare a plate, take it to the table, prepare a plate, take it to the table, or have Abby sit down. And I'm like, man, what is his problem? Like he can't have, there's no way his body is doing this this quick. So this guy, just within the last six months, admits to us at the table, well, what I was doing was taking my green beans and sticking them in my pocket and going to the bathroom and dumping them in the toilet and flushing them. You little scoundrel. I knew something wasn't right. I knew it wasn't right. We have video of Jacob. We made Jacob eat it. You should see. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll share the video. So I'm making me like four or five mushrooms, and he just wanted to <laughs> vomit all over the place. Isaac used his brain. Jason would take him, just throw him on the floor. You know, just sneak him in the floor. Rachel, too. Anyways, I guess God wants you to eat green stuff. Who knows? That was a really weird aside, but anyways. And God saw all that he made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, Genesis 2 is this, verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heaven and the earth. Now, no shrub of the field was yet on the earth, and no plant of the field yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground, to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living person. Whether it's what the Bible says, and the man became a living soul. And the word soul is suke. So you can just call her Sister Suke. Sister Suke, that's your soul. He used to say the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. But we find out Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So he separates the soul and the mind. We always just say that. So really the mind, the mind is the processor. It's the garden. It's the processor. And man, we'll have our spirit born again and regenerated and, and, and one with his spirit. According to the scripture, there's the, even Paul says, when you're regenerated, you can't even sin with your spirit. But that's another story. We'll have our souls renewed so that we, we are God toward and we love him and we love people. But if we don't renew our mind, oh man. And we don't have a whole lot of preaching on the mind. Not really. Not a whole lot of preaching, not a whole lot of teaching on the mind especially in what we call these type of charismatic sort of, you know, spirit-filled, and that's good, and spirit-filled, and that's good, and healing services, and that's wonderful. But if our mind's not renewed, you can lose what you got by the Spirit because your mind is planting seeds, and you're going to reap the harvest of the seed that you sow. Then the Lord, oh, the God planted a garden eastward in Eden, or the Lord God planted a garden towards the east in Eden. I'd just like to point out the name of the garden is not Eden. The garden was planted in Eden. I really am trying to help you. The garden is your mind. And there he placed the man whom he had formed out of the ground of the Lord. Out of the ground the Lord God caused every tree to grow that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Interesting. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. You can find that same river in Revelation. It flows from the throne. And from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is uh, the name of the first is um, Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of the land is good. Uh, it's, I, I kind of want to skip on down. you got Tigris, you got Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and tend it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for on the day that you eat, it, uh, eat from it you will surely die. Now let us read uh, one more verse, also in Genesis. Genesis 1.11, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, 
and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb, herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. So, probably shocked that I read that much Bible today. If our mind is like a garden, then our thoughts are like seeds. If your mind is a garden, then your thoughts are seeds. There's one scripture where Paul says, take captive every thought. Every thought. You have to take, you have to take it captive. Every thought that would exalt itself against the will, against the, the will of God. And what's the will of God for you? Life and life more abundantly. Jesus said it pretty clearly. I believe the story of Adam and Eve. A lot of people have gotten, gotten off in some left field thing and that Adam and Eve is all allegory and it's just sort of a metaphor. No, I believe there was a literal Adam and a literal Eve. However, I also believe with every truth in Scripture, it is multifaceted. Okay? Every truth of God is like a diamond and it has multifacets. If it's not multifaceted, then it doesn't shine the way that it should, the way that it would. But anyways, it's multifaceted, and so I do believe that Adam and Eve do represent us. I do, I do believe that the guard represents our mind. When God placed them in the garden, they walked and talked and lived with him in perfect, unbroken communion. It's very clear the scripture says this. And God walked with Adam and talked with Adam in the cool of the eve. That's in your, that's in your Bible, by the way. There was no curse. There were no thorns. I said, I, this is another funny story. I was mowing a, a week before last across our creek. We've got some, uh, some property over there that hadn't been cleared, and I'm bu- using a, a zero-turn mower like a bush hog. And I, went, <laughs> and I went to mow under a tree, and there's this big, long briar that came out of the tree. It's big around as my finger. And it scraped the side of my face. And I literally, I was so mad. I mean, I, had, I was cut here for, over my ear and my face and blood down. I said, Adam, when I get to heaven, I'm going to beat your butt. I was so mad. I actually said that, but I'm a real person, so I don't mind telling you that I'm not. I don't glow in the dark. I'm just like you, but I'm willing to admit it. I was mad. I said, Adam, I get to heaven. I'm a, and I know Elizabeth has said at least once a month, every time she gets to heaven, she's gonna, she, she and Eve are going to have words. <laughs> and six times if she had babies, me and Eve are going to have words. No curse, no thorns. And Adam's only job was to tend the garden. The Lord said, dress the garden and keep it. Tend the garden. This is a perfect metaphor for our lives and how we are to tend the thoughts that we allow in our mind. Now, I want you to think. You're going to have to be a a thinking believer today. I know that's hard for some of you, but I want you to try. Really hard. Probably the most powerful tool that God gave us outside of the Holy Spirit is a renewed mind. In fact, I would go so far to say that, an unregen- uh, that even the unregenerated mind is a powerful, powerful tool. Because the mind is a garden, and whatever seed you plant in your garden will produce fruit after its own kind. Period. So let me ask you this. If, if you had an enemy that wanted to control you, that wanted to keep you from manifesting the glory of God on the earth, would it not be imperative for that enemy to put something in front of you all day, every day, that is constantly putting you in fear. Oh God, COVID. And I'm not, I'm not throwing off on COVID, but I believe there were as many people that got sick because they believed themselves into sickness than actually were ever sick with the mess in the first place. 
I believe there were more people, at least as many, if not more people, that made themselves sick believing all the hysteria on the station than those that actually, and I, do, I don't think that it's a fake thing. Please don't misunderstand me. I know some of you have had it and don't think that I'm, I'm not trying to downplay it. But if all you're thinking 24 hours a day is, oh, my God, I might get COVID. Oh, my God, I might get sick. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, I have you ever heard someone cough like 50 times? And before, you start just throwing out mercy coughs or I'm like, <laughs> have you? Am I the only one? If I'm around someone that coughs straight for 30 minutes, first of all, I'm like, man, you need some help. Go drink some water. But if they keep doing it, I, I, like, it you'll start coughing because you know that. And if you're around this fear hysteria and you, and you repeat that stuff in your mind and with your mouth again and again and again and do it for two years, guess what? You are not powerless. You're powerful, but you have, you have focused your power into the kingdom of darkness. And so you make yourself miserable and worried and sick and full of fear and full of anxiety. I mean, there was never a generation until this generation where you've got 15-year-olds taking medicine for anxiety. What kind of nonsense is that? I'm not saying they don't have it. What I'm saying is their mind is so powerful that people that know the power of the mind have warped the truth and caused them to believe something about themselves that God never, that God never said, but they manifested it because they believed it. Now they're on medicine. And if you, if you, if you happen to be a person that's on anxiety medicine, I'm not, I'm not thrown off on you. Please don't misunderstand me. But, but believe it or not, you are more powerful than you know you are. If you got up every morning, every morning, and said, I declare, look in the mirror and say, you are made in God's image and after his life. Did you know, listen to this, God absolutely made your body to heal itself, and you were never, ever, not once, ever intended to be sick. God never, ever intended or meant for you to become sick. Now, if you have a problem with that, that's okay. There's a whole lot of stuff you probably should learn. You're, you've been wrong before, you're wrong now. He never, ever wanted you sick, not one time. Remember, the Rosetta Stone of all Scripture is the life of Jesus Christ. And not once, ever, does he ever call someone to become afflicted or sick to teach them a lesson. He's doing the opposite. He's causing them to be healed from affliction to teach them the lesson. And what's the lesson? God is for you, and God loves you, and he was redeeming us from the curse some of you are having issues with this because you've heard nonsense for so many years that God afflicted you just to teach you no God doesn't afflict you to teach you well that's what I read in the Old Testament well you better you have to run that through the Rosetta Stone of the life of Jesus who is the Logos the logic of God he is the perfect representation of the Father and that is your scripture John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That word, Word, that's John chapter 1, verse 1, is Logos, which means the logic. Everything that God had ever thought, you can see in the life of Jesus. And not once did He ever, ever afflict anyone to teach them. Instead, He was too busy healing them and restoring them and saying, no, 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 Father doesn't want to afflict you. Father wants to bring you back into perfect, unbroken communion with Him. And the reason you're having a problem with it is because you've believed a lie from people behind this that have been taught in schools that are not full of his spirit, but they got big, thick books to tell you how to move people, how to win friends and, and, and influence people instead of how to be, be full of the mind of Christ and full of the spirit of Christ and cause a cultural shift to make kingdom come in the earth. Oh, that's a mouthful. And you might not like me for saying it, but it is a fact. Well, that's not what I learned in seminary. Well, maybe you ought to get a new lesson. I'm not throwing off on cemetery, seminary, whatever. Go to seminary if you want to go to seminary. I think it's wonderful to learn. I think it's wonderful to learn. But you cannot replace the mind of Christ with logic. And we will talk ourselves out of so many things that God has for us because you're more powerful than you know.
Fear is faith directed into the kingdom of darkness. Worry is an action. It doesn't happen to you. It's something that you, that you do, that you cultivate. Worry is something you... Have you ever been about someone that is... My mother-in-law used to be this way. Just what you call a worry wart. Not throwing off anybody. Or are you mad at me today? I'm sorry. Next week we'll heebie-jeebie and shuck them. I might even jump off the stage next week. I'll slap oil on 17 people and pray for God for miracles and you'll like me again. You ever seen the worry warts? That's something you cultivate. That's something that's taught. If you're a parent that has a two or three or four or five, the first seven years of a child's life, their mind is in beta. They're going to learn most of what they learn. Science teaches us this. You can learn this for you. You think I'm throwing off on that? No. They'll learn most of what they learn in terms of behavior in their first seven years. And if you are constantly pouring into them, oh, God, you might get this. Oh, God, you might get this. Why do you think the stupid devil, the enemy, has done everything he can? He is not the prince of the air, but he's the prince of the power of the air. And that's why you turn on your airwaves. You don't hear a whole lot about Jesus. If you talk about Jesus, you're a lunatic. If you talk about something good, you're a lunatic. Everybody has bought into into the fear hysteria because he owns the fear hysteria. What in the world are we doing putting masks on two-year-olds? This is not political. Don't, be, don't get mad at me. I don't give a flying flip if you're right or left. Both, are, as, far as, I, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's the flip side of the same coin. I'm of, the, I'm of a different government. I'm of a different kingdom. And I, it is a theocracy. And his name is Jesus. And he's king. Amen. So, so I'm not throwing off. Don't misunderstand me. But there's, there's not a reason in the world except utter hysteria and nonsense to put a two or three year old. And what you do, you're going you're gonna to create fear. I knew I wouldn't get a whole lot of fans in this. If you, if you put your child in a mask, I am not mad at you at all in any way, shape, or form. And I don't think that makes you a bad parent. I'm, I'm just challenging you to, to think with the mind that God gave you. And, 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 and I, have watched, I have watched some parents in one way or the other. I, this is one thing that I've tried to do. And I, and I got it from my mother, really more than anybody. Joshua, you can do it. From the time I was this big, you can do it. You can, I'd watch my brother, Tony, could just throw a ball better than anybody, could run faster than anybody. Well, my mom was right there, right there encouraging him and all, saying, Josh, you can do that too. And you know what? I believed her. I always believed her. It didn't even necessarily have to be true, but it became true because I, it's my mama. Why she going to lie to me? I believed her. And I accomplished as many things in life that I've ever accomplished because I was given the mindset of you can do all things from the time I was a little boy. The, conversely, if you're always told you're just a worthless piece of man, you're just worth. You don't do anything. You're a brat. You're a little. De- Stop calling your child a little demon. Well, you should even jokingly. Boy, that boy's a little demon. Call him that, and then when they're 15 and acting that way, well, I don't know what happened. You fool. You're the one that called him that. Did I say fool? I'm sorry. I know the scripture better than you think, and I know what Jesus said. Don't call your brother a fool. It's a foolish mindset to speak and speak and speak and speak and speak, which is exactly equivalent to sowing seed and sowing seed and sowing seed and and not expecting a harvest of the seed that you sow. You ought to be looking at everybody, every every child that you can get. That's really this is one of the reasons today. And I'm not. I am not in any way trying to pin a rose on me. I'm not. These are things that I've learned. When my children came off of the soccer field today, I grabbed every one of them by their face and I got them this close and I said, "I want you to hear that I'm proud of you." Because I know some of those boys probably haven't heard that at home. But they won't live their lives not knowing that some man in their lives looked at them within eight inches of their face and said, I'm proud of you. You wouldn't believe there were four or five of them that got like teary-eyed. And it choked me up too. Because I'm really wanting to retire from coaching, God, please. I've been doing this 25 years. I'm tired. 
But they will live their life knowing someone was proud of them. And that, that, what that, all I was trying to do is sow a seed. I did something well. And it's not because I performed well or I did We lost yesterday. Of course, we wound up playing 14 and 15-year-olds. We should have lost. But we lost. And when they came off the field, you know what I said? I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Well, this is not what I came here for today. That's because it's exactly what you need. Get back to my notes. I'm sorry. This is not some weird mystical secret. It's your heritage and your inheritance as sons and daughters of God. Every single action that you have ever taken is the fruit whose origin or seed started as a thought. Your mind is such a powerful tool, and because it is like a garden, listen, it is indiscriminate in what it allows to grow. If I take and have a tilled garden, a nice plot garden, and I take apple seed and I sow apple seed, and it's watered, guess what? I'm not getting oranges. Maybe in 2022, maybe the apple tree will identify as an orange and become an orange. I don't know. Most likely, what I'm going to get is the fruit of the seed that I put in the earth. Laugh if you want to, but the truth remains the truth, no matter what the nonsense happens in the world. If I sow an apple seed in a, in a tilled garden and it's watered and it gets sunlight, I am to expect... The, the, this is the word of God so if, you're, if you have a problem with it then you've got a real problem this is the word of God whose seed is in itself everything reproduces only after its own kind and so if you want to reproduce powerful children then you should be speaking into lives you are powerful you're more than a conqueror God in you is a majority you can do all things through Christ not oh God I hope you don't have no don't 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 put that nonsense in their minds don't put it in your own mind oh God I just it's Monday it's going to be awful no it's not going to be awful it's going to be awful if you're going to sow that seed because you're more powerful than you know it's Monday. It's going to be off. No, get up and say, this is Monday. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad. Listen to the words. I will. I point my will to rejoice and I focus my will on me. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. And you can do that on Mondays, believe it or not. And Thursdays and Saturdays and every other day. I'm God. He got me. He's got me. Scott gave me a trick. I know how to use it now. Might not be the worst thing to go buy some new pants. <laughs> I'll finish up. When you put an apple seed in the ground, you expect an apple, tree to uh, an apple tree to grow. In fact, you not only expect it, you know that it's going to grow. And the garden, the soil of a garden, is indiscriminate in what it allows to grow. I could take and so. Uh, thorns or something or whatever grows thorns or, or rose bush just because it grows thorns and guess what I'm going to get some thorns this is the New Testament version of it be ye not deceived God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap this is so because nature follows divine law without questioning it what is sowed is received. The laws that conduct nature are identical to the laws that govern the renewed mind and thought. Every thought is a seed that manifests in our reality. Every single one. If you have a garden, would you not be careful and purposeful about the seeds that you plant in that soil? Talk to me back. Talk to me. Would you not be careful? If I'm going to take the time to have a garden, I'm going to put in that garden the things that I want to see grow. 
I want to, so, so for instance, if your mind is your garden, maybe you should start planting the seeds that you want to see grow in your life in your garden. For instance, that's fine, good. For instance, if you have, let's just say a family history, I, I have a family history First and foremost, God is my Father, and I made His image, so I've got a family history of health and life. In fact, when I go to the doctor and they say, do you have a family history of heart attack? Now, Tony Bunt had a heart attack at 55, died at 57. And every time I say, nope, heart disease don't run in my family because my father is perfectly whole. I couldn't care less what the doctor wants to hear. I'm going to declare what my truth is. And, and I don't mean my truth as in it's, it's fluid and all that. No, my truth is he's my father. I'm made in his image. I'm made after his likeness. And God did never had a heart attack. But if you want to see health and life in, manifest in your life, then begin to say, in the name of Jesus. This is what I say. When you hear me pray on Sundays right there in the services that you actually like, these are some of the things I say. With your stripes, we were healed because that's Scripture. And by your stripes, we are healed because that's Scripture. I see you arising with healing in your wings because that's Scripture. And healing is the children's bread because that's Scripture. What I am doing is I'm declaring the Word of God, sowing it as a seed into the mind of the person that I'm praying for so they can hear it because if they hear it, they can believe it. And if they believe it, it will begin to grow. And guess what happens? Oh, my God, before you know it, what he said happened. Not because I'm magic and not because I'm special, but because your words have power and the mind is a powerful tool if I were to say when someone came brother God gave you a busted knee because he's trying to teach you a lesson and God broke up your marriage because he wants to teach you something and God gave you cancer to teach you guess what's going to happen you're going to be looking for the next bad thing to happen so God can teach you a lesson if you don't hear anything else I hear you better hear this this is how God teaches us it's very clear he teaches us by his spirit the Holy Spirit is our teacher, period. Well, that's not what I heard. Well, perhaps you need a new lesson. Isn't that the Lion King slogan? So you're telling me I, like, I don't have to go through this long, prolonged state of, of being unhealthy so God can teach me? Nope. You can if you want to. And as long as you say, yeah, I'm probably going to be sick and I'm probably just going to. I listened to a doctor yesterday talking to essentially my father-in-law, Mrs. Ted, sitting in the hospital. I was there for two and a half hours with Isaac, and he's like, yeah. What happens is we have a baseline that's called health, and when these things happen, we, what we have to do is we have to remove the baseline and realize we're never going to get back there. And he said, right? And I said, no. I have no problem telling the doctor, especially this one, he's younger than me. No. I, ha I know what you're saying, and I appreciate your information. That doesn't agree with me. And I refuse to agree with that. Did you know the children of Israel, when they were 80 and 100 and 120, the Bible says that their natural eyesight was not abated? Their sandals didn't even wear out. And man, they walked in the desert. This is, by the way, your scripture. It would behoove you to read your Bible. If God can do that for an Old Testament on the other side of the cross in types and shadows, children of Israel, how much more will he do for us who walk in the reality of the new covenant that has already been established? Jesus has come, was born, died, rose from the dead, ascended, and has been coronated. How much more should we live in that privilege? The enemy knows if he can, I'm sorry, I just want to finish reading because I know. Why do you think the last two years we have all, all that we have seen is a barrage of fear over a virus, over political upheaval, and financial ruin? I literally, I, I'm not taking shots at you. I literally, before we moved to our new house, I said, you know what? I'm done watching the news. 
I don't, I don't have my head in the sand. I don't have, but I refuse to allow my mind to be programmed with someone that has an agenda. And if you think, whether it's left or right, Fox or CNN, they don't have an agenda, bless your heart. You got the heart, <laughs> should, should I say this? You got a wonderful heart, but you got the mind of a pigeon. There's an agenda behind everything that you see on your television. What do you think it's doing? Tell the vision. That's why it's called television. I have one in my house. I'm not against it. I'm not saying go home. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, nut, a nutcase. What I am telling you is, if you're going to sit behind something for hours and hours and hours and let it program your mind, you don't know how powerful your mind is and program you and feed you and program. That's why the, what you watch on TV, what are they called? Programs. Hello. On the television, you are being programmed daily. So if it's fear, 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 virus, 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 hate, black hates white, and white hates black, and Hispanic, they're all bad, or they're all good, and money, 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 and right, before long, yes, yes, master, I will repeat what I hear from you. And you will attract into your life what comes out of your mouth because your mind is your garden, and you will produce the seed that you sow into your garden, period. And the problem with the church is the enemy knows it, but we don't know it. We're learning. Please don't be mad at me. Please come back next Sunday. The enemy knows if he can program your mind to live in fear, then you will produce the fruit of fear in your life. The fruit of fear is chaos. Would you take a look at the last two years? The fruit of fear is chaos. You do not believe. Listen to me. This is going to be encouraging to most of you. I promise you. I have it on good authority. There are more people that believe in, in the goodness of, of the human race that love God, that love people, that at least love people, than there are the, the small minority. It's just that the minority has the microphone. It's true. Go into your own personal community. I'm not saying some of these things don't exist. But by and large, you don't face the things that they try to tell you is out there on a daily basis. You have to turn on the channel to watch. Oh, it is really, really, really bad. Because this happened 758 miles away. It's happening next door. No, it's probably not. It's just getting the microphone because they're trying to program your mind to fear. I'm not saying bad things don't happen. Don't, don't take my spirit apart from my words. What I'm saying is the bad things are all... Have you ever noticed that it's not news? It's never good. Think about this. Turn on any, I don't care if you turn on this guy or that, it's not good. We want to share some encouraging news today of things that God has done. You, you're not going to hear that. It's always, shh, no, no, no. Make sure it's not Jesus. Nope. It's Isaac. You're grounded. You know, you don't hear, we want to, you're not going to believe what this white man did for this black woman today or what this, you know, non, not nonsense stuff. You're not going to believe what this, what this Hispanic did for, the, no, you're not going to hear that. It's like, oh my God, you're not, these, these, these people are coming. No, it's always programming. It's always to the kingdom of darkness. Anyways, I don't want to belabor the point. <sighs> The fruit of fear is chaos. It's like the earth when it was without form and void and darkness is upon the face of the deep. But just like in the original creation, I believe that the Spirit of God is rising over the face of the waters. I believe His Spirit is hovering over your mind and in an instant, He will and does declare, let there be light. 
The word light is revelation. I believe you're receiving revelation whether you like it or believe it or not. It's like tasting a, tasting a really, really, really good delicate, delicacy food for the first time. You're like, ooh, this don't taste right. Well, yeah, if all you've ever had is those pink dogs. Remember, you used to serve us those things. I don't even know what it's made of. You know the pink hot dogs? All I want to know is how the heck did they turn pink and who thought this is a good idea to make a meat pink? How many like them, them things? I, I, I don't want to eat them. If it ain't, it, I'm not eating it. Beef. I don't care what color hot dog you eat. But really, pink dogs, boiling pink dogs and serve them. Well, we ate them about the dozen though, didn't we? Probably because you could buy a pack of them back then, not in this economy, for a dollar, probably $57 a pack now, but they used to be a few bucks. They're not really $57. That's how much gas it takes to get there to pick up the $1.99 hot dogs. I want to say this to you because I feel like the Spirit just says, please listen to me. God is enough, and he's not broke, and his kingdom is not going under, and he has not fallen off of his throne. I'm going to say something else. I love this country. I have been to other countries, and there's no feeling if you've been out of the country unless you're on like a vacation, you know, to some remote island or someplace. But if you fly back in, especially with missions, there's no feeling like landing back in the United States. I love it. But what we've, we've conflated the United States with the kingdom of God. So if the United States seems to be floundering, we think the kingdom of God is. Let me tell you something. The kingdom of God will stand and it will be here when and if any empire or any nation falls, the kingdom of God will stand. It has always stood. It has stood the test of time. And you are first and foremost. Yes, and I love the country. I am a patriot. I love the United States. But before I'm a citizen of the United States, I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. And he is a king and he is not moved. So I say that to say this. Amen. I say that to say this. If the economy tanks, and God knows if things go the way they seem to be going right now, it probably will. Here's what I'm going to say. And I have said this. Lord, your provision is enough. If you have to do like you did with Elijah and feed me with a raven, I'm expecting ravens when I get up. If you can cause manna, manna literally, like, like donuts, Krispy Kremes to be dumped. That ain't, even, that ain't the won't he do it part yet, Holly. Here's what, here's what God caused manna to fall six days of the week on the sixth day they, they got for the sixth and the seventh. The, the, the donut, I mean, the, 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 the manna literally is described as like a honey wafer type dough. It's literally Krispy Kremes and they were good for you. That ain't even the good part. Here's what's crazy. After a while, these clowns complained about it. You got angels feeding you hot Krispy Kremes every single morning, and it brought health to your body. Well, I'm down with these Krispy. You demon from hell. What kind of? You let an angel show up at my porch every morning with some hot Krispy Kremes that says, when you eat this, you're losing seven pounds, and you'll have the energy of a 15. I'll say, I'll speak in tongues and run the house. I'll jump in the pool, dive out, and wait for the next morning to get my second dose of Krispy Kremes. I'll go to sleep with my eyes closed, and in front of my eyes, it'll be hot and ready, hot and ready, hot and ready. My heartbeat begins to beat in rhythm with the hot and ready sun, hot and ready sun, hot and ready sun. And they complained about it. God, church people are nuts. Not y'all, though. Y'all are wonderful. They did. They complained about it. It's crazy. We're tired of manna. Let there be light, which is revelation. And when we receive light, revelation, illumination into our minds, when our minds are illuminated with the truth of who the Father is, 
which is always good, and who we are, our gardens will produce the fruit of the kingdom. Remember, I told you, be ye not conformed, con brought under the form, but transformed, metamorphosed, how? By the renewing, the renovation of your mind. It's time to get rid of the stinking thinking. Get rid of it. Stinking thinking produces stinking words, and stinking words become stinking actions, and stinking actions, and it becomes this cyclical thing, and you can't hardly break free. You're like, what happened? What happened? Change what you hear, change what you believe, change what you put into your garden, into your processor, and begin to speak life over yourself. Man, that feels weird. Well, I mean, if you want to live, if you want to, if you want to live in sickness and curse the rest of your life, then go ahead. It doesn't matter. Every day you are thinking one thing or the other, and you are living in the product or the or the, or the product of what you have declared, what you have believed, in the seed that you have sown in your own life. Period. And you can change it at any moment. Look at any moment at your house. You can go into the garden and be, man, I'm tired of these weeds. I'm tired of this mess growing up. I'm tired of these thorns. I'm tired of this nonsense. I'm pulling it up. Somebody this morning is going to feel me and say, I'm going to pull it up. I'm tired of speaking doubt, and I'm tired of living in sin. I'm tired of living in fear. I'm, tired, I'm going to pull it up, I'm going to pull, and I'm going to put in its place something that's going to grow and bring a fruit that I'm going to be able to eat, and I'm going to put some apples in that, in that ground. I'm going to put some belief. I'm going to put some hope. I'm going to, put some, I'm going to plant some happiness because I'm ready to receive some happiness. How many people could use some joy? We'll start sowing some joy. Start sowing joy. You want some peace? Start sowing peace. How do I do that? Well, in your own personal life, here's an easy way. Here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. Or as Jim used to say, where the Michelin meets the macadam. Where the rubber meets the How do I do that? What is a practical way to do that? Get into the Word. Here you go. Look up. You have no peace. Look up. Go to your concordance. If you don't have one, if you don't have a smartphone or a tablet or a computer, go buy a concordance or see me and I'll try to find you one and look up. The word peace in the scripture. And then go and just start reading. Read, read the scripture that Jesus says, my peace I give to you. And don't just read it, declare it. My peace I give to you. Wait a minute. Peace is a gift? I can't earn it? I didn't earn it. His peace is a gift. And say to yourself, Jesus, if you gave your peace to the disciples when you said that, and you're not a, a, a respecter of person, you're not a respecter of fa faces, then that probably means you would give me peace. So I just, I just receive the peace that you give me. That's how you sow the seed of peace in your life. When anxiety comes, when, and I've, I've, I've faced it, when pressure comes, when depression comes, wait a minute, this is not what God wants me to live in. This is, I've sown this in my garden. I've received this seed somewhere. I'm taking that seed out. I'm not going to believe that. I refuse to believe that. If, you, if you've lived through a, a prolonged, protracted sense of illness, in the name of Jesus, the Bible says that with your stripes I am healed. This is Scripture. With your stripes, this is talking about the stripes that Jesus took on his back, with your stripes or by your stripes I am healed. You don't even have to know another one. Just say it again. Get up in the morning. With your stripes, I am healed. Because if you hear it long enough through your ear, it's going to plant a seed in your processor and you will live in the fruit of that seed that you sow. Or you can just get up and say, man, I feel awful today. I believe that at some point there's a generation that will stand up with a regenerated mind that will rise as sons and daughters of God and refuse to bow to culture and will sow the seeds of righteousness and will eat of that fruit in the land in which we live. And when that happens, then heaven will come to earth. The prayer of Jesus, your kingdom come, will be done in earth and become a reality in our reality. That's all, Stan. Finish. See?
It really is this simple. Oh, he's stretching. I thought somebody raised their hand. Like, you want to say something? Kim, you come say something? So your mind is your garden. It is your processor. This week, I'm challenging you. I don't need, we're not doing music. We're not doing soft emotion music to get you to an emotional pitch. No, I want to challenge you to speak well over yourself. I mean it. I literally mean this. Speak the word over yourself. If you don't know the word I said, find your concordance. Look up. If you have no joy, find it. Find it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's a good scripture. The joy of the Lord is my, I'm strengthened because it's the joy of the Lord. How many times do you think God lives without joy? The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy. The rule, realm, reign, and royalty of God is joy. He never lives among, how many times do you think God has woke up and went, man, this day sucks. It's funny, but, but it's funny because we know that's, that's illogical. God doesn't get up and say, man, this day sucks. In the morning, God's not going to get up and, you know, yawn and all the stuff that he doesn't do and say, oh, crap, it's Monday. Why would we? You're made in his image and after his likeness. Why would you do that? Get up and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Today I'm going to rejoice. Today I'm going to be glad. Today I'm going to watch miracles. I'm prophesying. You don't know it. Today I'm going I'm to live as the healed of the Lord. Today I'm going uh, to live in financial prosperity. Today I'm going to live in newness of life. Today, God, you're going to release miracles for me. Today I'm going to bring sunshine into somebody else's life. Today I'm going to speak life over myself and life over my children. Today I'm going to make a change. Today I'm going to be kingdom come. Today I'm going to manifest the presence of God in my Starts like, look at you. You're already responding to me saying it. Imagine if you said it to yourself. Get up in the morning. I don't care what the doctor says. He might have facts. You've got truth. And the truth is, the facts might be I got cancer. But the truth is, I am the healed of the Lord. Jesus paid for my healing. I will walk in divine healing. I will walk in divine life. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Say it with me. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And as you begin to say it and say it and say it, then what you're doing, you're sowing seed into your mind. And you will eat the fruit of the seeds that you plant. So I'm challenging you. Get up in the morning, or when you leave today, in the name, I am the blessed. I am so blessed. I'm so blessed that I'm too blessed to be stressed, so I reckon I might as well rest. Oh, Shondi. E-D-D-I-E, that was good. Let me give myself an offer. That's not my money. That's God's money. I don't do that. Talk well to yourself. Talk well to your children. Look at your wife and tell her, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. I'm so glad that God gave me you. He prepared you for me. And look at your husband and lie to him and say, boy, you're handsome. <laughs> no, no. Oh, well, when God put you in my, he blessed me. If you've been going through a rocky place in marriage, look, I've been married almost 19 years. I know a little bit about rocky places. I also know about a beautiful prepared garden. Look at your husband and say, God, wait a minute, God was so good that before time, he knew that you would be married to me and I would be married to you. I mean, think of God. Oh, my God. He'll give me a silver fox. I didn't, he can do it all. Do it. Come on. I mean, I mean it. I mean it. I literally, this, whole, this past week, we've worked our butts off at our house. We bought our house in November. We lived a little while. God's blessed us. And, and it was, it was my, my father-in-law built it. We, they moved to the beach. We bought it. And we have worked and worked and worked. And I sat there saying, and thought, man, God, I just want, you knew this was going to be my place. Why in the world did a man 
that had just a wife, no kids ever lived with him, built a, a 5,500-square-foot house. Oh, you must have had me in mind. And you knew that I wanted a creek beside my house, and I wanted a place in the back where I could entertain and have people over, and they could bring me Krispy Kreme and fried chicken. Oh, gospel bird. Seriously. You begin to think well and speak well of yourself. It, you would be shocked at how much better you feel if you just speak life. There's a scripture that says, speak life that you might live. What? Because your words are powerful. They're seeds. And when your mind hears it, it receives it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now for this church family. I love these people. Lord, you know that I love these people. And I thank you that from however you did it, all of us collectively have come to this place in this time, and you've created such a beautiful family. I thank you that, uh, that we are growing up and learning that it's not enough just to have a spiritual move, and we want that. It's not enough just to, just to feel the presence, and we want that. But we are renewing our minds so that we don't just live in a space and have these moments of encounter, but we have a lifetime of perfect, unbroken communion with you as our Father. I pray that the words, I, I know what you said, the words that I speak are spirit and life. I pray that the words came out of my mouth today would go deep like seed into the soil of their souls and that it will bring fruit for your kingdom. Lord, someone in this building is going to get up in the morning and say, I refuse to be disgusted. I'm, as he used to say, I'm not broken, I'm not busted, I refuse to be disgusted. We are children of the king and so therefore we have everything. Somebody's going to get up in the morning, Lord, that has, that has gotten a, a poor diagnosis from the doctor and say, that might be what the doctor says, but according to the scripture, I am the healed of the Lord. And, and by your stripes, I am healed. So that's what I'm going to sow. I'm sowing that seed in my mind. I'm going to reap the harvest of the seed that I sow. Somebody's going to get up in the morning or maybe this afternoon that has had a rocky place in the marriage and look at their wife or look at their husband and say, wait a minute, you are a prepared thing that God brought for me. Lord, teach me how to love better. Teach me how to love my wife the way that you love your church and teach me how to love my husband the way that the church loves Christ. Lord, somebody is going to get a change. Lord, if one life is changed and grows up and, and takes on the mind of Christ because of this, then I would count this work to be not in vain. I declare a pronounced blessing upon every person, individual, and family in this place. And I pray that you help us to sow seeds of goodness, seeds of righteousness, seeds of love, seeds of hope, seeds of joy, seeds of peace. In Jesus' name, and we will reap that harvest. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you. See you next Sunday.